0: If you want to learn how to get better at climbing for mountain races, you are in luck because Josh and I, we've both taken our lumps on the mountains and we've worked really hard to improve at our skills. So today we talk about exactly what we've done to get better at climbing. Welcome to the Reinforced Running Podcast. My name is Rich Ryan, head coach here at Reinforced Running. And we have some good stuff for you today. But for the first like 10 minutes, Josh and I, we talk about music genre, semantics, and mosh pits. Then the second 10 minutes, we talk about some virtual challenges and you know why I think you might want to skip some or why I'm skipping some for sure. Um, then we get into the meat of the podcast today with our listener question comes from certified badass Lauren Longfield, who asked about the specific workouts and exercises we have done to improve our climbing. Then Josh and I will go into some details about the fundamentals of strength training for OCR and how you can implement that into your training and some different variations of the classic workouts that will translate to your performance. So it was a whole bunch of fun. I think you'll like it a lot. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please drop us a rating or review or give us a follow if you are on Spotify. It'll definitely help us out. and We would appreciate it. Cool. All right. Well, here's my homie, Josh Reed. Josh Reed, what's up? Hello, Mr. Rich. So last last time I made like two music references and I wasn't sure and they didn't really land with you. So what kind of music do you listen to? They both slid.
1: Uh, I listened to, I just got back on like a metal kick because I realized metal gets me so amped, man. Right. You know, and my girlfriend's so funny because she'll hear it and she'll just come in and go like, rah, rah, because that's what it sounds like to her. But I don't know what the hell they're saying half the time, honestly. But just like the the guitar riff, you know, just uh, yeah, just amplifying, man. Either that or like some hard ass rap, like when I'm doing calisthenics, I feel like a – what are some?
0: What are be specific here? What what's like who in metal? Like what what's like your go? Like if you had to put on like a metal station.
1: August Burns Red is really good. Uh, Between the Barry and Me, mostly their older stuff. Their new stuff is really good, but they're like actually classical musicians. They went to Berkeley. So yeah, but they actually had really good metal back in the days and they still have good metal. It's just more, well, like classical, not as hard. Uh, But yeah, like August Burns Red, is uh, super duper good. After the burial, it's this style of music called gent or degent. There's a hilarious YouTube video about people calling it de gent, but it sounds like gent. Oh, that's what they call like that. The juggy, yeah, super punchy, right? And yeah, punchiness that gives that oomph to it. But uh, yeah, those guys are really good. And then I just got back into uh, Meshuga, which is this crazy. Technical – if you have never heard it before and you're not a metal person, you'll probably think it sounds like garbage, and that's okay. That's okay. But I think, I think
0: all people who are not metal people think metal sounds like garbage. Dude,
1: but. I was talking, Monica, about this last night. We're listening to music, and we were listening to some rap song. I don't know, like some YouTube – uh, black hole we got into like what's the most popular video on youtube and also we were listening to this pop song like oh, it all sounds the same like that's what everyone says about another genre oh country totally. they all sounds the same rap all sounds the same right
0: exactly and it's just they're not familiar with it so i agree i mean i like metal i'm not into it as much i appreciate it um and it's funny how every metal has every like i don't know if it is specifically like the metal and rock genre that breaks into a million subgenres. So like every band that they do sound similar, but they're fall into a different category of what rock actually is. Um, so Meshuggah. <laughs> Meshuggah. Me. Meshuggah. And then
1: uh, S-H-U-G-G-A-H. Yeah.
0: I, have to, I might have to give that a, I might have to make that happen. Yeah. Try. Yeah. You listen to like, Emo ish punk, like
1: do you listen to Bella Maya or uh, uh, As I Lay Dying?
0: A little bit. I know, I know, As I Lay Dying. Um, I do, I'm more into like, I was into like the emo ish, um, screamo punk type of stuff. I still kind of listen to it, I still like it, but only this, but really when I listen, it's more for nostalgia. That's why I listen to like high school and and college and and such. But I do like it because I like metal riffs. I don't necessarily like metal vocals you know and Mm. i think that's what what what, what loses people a lot so i'm more like kind of dipping my toe in that metal stuff would you go to shows would you go to dude metal shows
1: i actually that's something that i miss more than anything i used to go and uh throw down with the boys uh we'd go and you know like there's a mosh pit i remember when i was younger i was intimidated by the mosh pits because i was really young like i've been knocked unconscious in a mosh pit like got my nose Mm. Like fractured my nose, got hit with a flying fist. Sick, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> I was the one driving too. It was it's really shitty. I hit a possum in my car that night. It was a tragic story. Anyway, who's playing? Dude, that was actually August Burns Red, and that was mm. that was my first metal show. It was uh, August Burns Red, Misery Signals, Evergreen Terrace, and As I Lay Dying, and like they were all absolutely fantastic. And my mind was blown. And yeah. But uh, the, these mosh pits, man, it's like there's hundreds of people. I mean, there's, there's over a thousand at the venue. And then the mosh pit is where most of the people moving towards the front where the music is like the loudest. You're right in between the speakers. There's so much energy. And people are – there's different styles of moshing. You know, Sometimes sometimes you get a little aggressive. People are throwing punches. And it actually kind of changes with the style of music. Mm-hmm. Um, some, sometimes it's more like of a pushy kind of thing. And then sometimes mm-hmm. people are
0: literally throwing fists, which I don't think is really cool. Like I've definitely been, not cool. And doing, i like, doing like spin kicks and stuff. I do.
1: <laughs> I got so I got donkey kicked, man. This you know, like where someone does like a, a spinning back kick and just yeah a, a, a leg back and dude hit me right in the solar plex, knocked the wind out of me. We, we totally. looked at each other and I mean I was I was in the territory and I looked at him and I gave him a thumbs up like you're good, man, and he's like, "Are you alright?" i like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. I just, like caught my breath for five minutes and got back at it. But yeah, th- there's something about a mosh pit, and I think there, uh, it's 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 a way to like let out a lot of energy, and it, it, there's like there's physical contact, but it's with good intention. Uh, the like camaraderie. Go, yeah, there are people that go there that are assholes that are actually trying to be like the most dominant silverback in the bunch, and they're literally like pointing people out and starting fights, and that's super lame. But people that are throwing down and maybe they are like throwing fists around but when they hit someone it's like an immediate turnaround and check and make sure they're all right like yo you're good and yeah there's just a lot of support it's almost like fight club you know (laughs) but there's so much excitement and energy about it because a lot of people don't know how to really express themselves and there's so many different ways we can express ourselves like through different forms of dance or running or art but there's something really like primitive about just moving your body in an aggressive manner in a pit where like your eyes are fucking closed and you're just making contact with people, but you don't even know what's going on. It's quite an experience.
0: And you're being driven by the energy of the people on stage and what they're producing. Like that being is driven like the, by the drive fuel. of the music. No, I agree. I wouldn't, I would, uh, yeah, cause I wasn't like to the punk emo type stuff like there, there's definitely mosh pits in there. And not often will you get the people with the, the flying fist or spinning back kicks, but it's more like the pushing ones, which I can get down with. I'm I'm cool with that. I went to a show, but you know, when I went, I was between 19, and, like 23, 24. I went to a show last year. It was um, Taking Back Sunday, which is like a classic emo band, and Kobe Whoa, and Cambria, yeah. which is um, prog rock. Um, they kind I of fall. Follow- oh yeah, yeah, they're the best. They're like my, they're like one of my favorites, uh, and they still fucking rock. They 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 put on a show that I went to last year was like the best I've seen them. Whereas like Taking Back Sunday, they were just kind of out there to to, to make a buck, you know? They're just on tour mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. like trying to play the old. You can tell they didn't really want to be there. But anyway, but so I snuck up close when kohi came on and the, and the pit opened up and back when i was younger i was in there and this past time i was like i don't think i want to mess with that it was like pretty rugged i was like Ugh. i got on the outskirts i was giving a little bit of pushing people back in there maybe a little some shoulder yeah. <laughs> but i i wasn't i wasn't in there i wasn't mean because i saw some people get knocked down <laughs> knocked down and like dragged out i was like ah I might be good on the the periphery here. I don't think yeah. I need all this. It's
1: exhausting just being on the side. Like you're still like in it if you're on the side cuz you got to hold your arms up like do the, p- the protection. You know, you're like listen to music, music's awesome, but you're also looking around like making sure no one's coming at you, you know, with some flying fists. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, oh yeah. You're, yeah, you're, you're, sure you're, out, high you're holding your arms up. My traps, my upper my upper back all get dude. like cuz you're you're literally just concentric the whole time just pushing, pushing. <laughs> Bro, the i
1: don't remember who i saw but maybe it was after i think it was after the burial and it was i i was headbanging so hard i was like an ape smacking the floor dude i could it for like the next week i could hardly lift my head without assisting it with my hands like if i leaned over i had to brace with my hands and lift myself back up dude my yeah my upper back and my neck was gone
0: I wonder if that's any any if that translates to OCR at all. I can't I can't think of it now. <laughs> we'll touch on it later. Have you been doing um any of these challenges other than we've been talking about the unbreakable one? Did you do the jump squats?
1: I did not. Uh, so I'm I don't know if I'm just poor with technology and like navigating things, or if no, I'm missing it's not something. Working. That leaderboard's like, not working right in front of me. Okay, I didn't think so. My burpees uh, did. didn't go up, push ups didn't go up, and then someone sent me a message like I. I did a public message to Spartan and oftentimes, right. It's just probably a bot that is like, that leaves a message or likes it or something. Like, no, I asked you a question. and like 10 other people liked it. Cause they all had the same issue. And they were commented on it also, which was uh, it's not uploading. What's the deal? Cause we're like, and uh, and then someone said, wait, do we have to pay for each event? So is it, you know, a $10 sign up for the burpees and then sign up again for the push ups, and then sign up again. I didn't know no if each event was separate or if that, that $10 fee was for the unbreakable challenge. challenge for those four things. I I didn't see myself on the leaderboard and I'm like, man, you know, shit. I, I worked hard for that. Not that, you know, the burpees destroyed me or anything, but it was just, I took time out of my day. Yeah. You know, time out the, of training to, to do it. it. And I'm like, you know what, if they're not, if they're not posting it, uh, I'm like, oh, it was ten bucks, whatever. You know, I'm gonna go run.
0: <laughs> so we're not sure. They didn't. They didn't answer. We're, they didn't answer. No, I'm not sure. Yeah, because my my push ups haven't posted. Um, I was looking at it. It's a disaster. That scoreboard, like, is like we talked <laughs> about last time. Like the push ups, there was like a time associated with it. So the person with the best score has like a time of like two fifty or something. I was, yes, that confused me, and
1: that's when I thought, oh, is it adding something else that I didn't know about? Because they're also doing like these virtual races
0: that's what i think happened like they just pivot they pivot so fast and they just don't leave things without explanation they're like oh we're doing these virtual races now so we're doing a leaderboard on this have you done a virtual race i haven't no i mean i haven't
1: i don't know virtual races are kind of uh weird to me i really when it comes to competition i like to know i'm on the same course as somebody else i can see my competition when it comes to a virtual race like it's not the same there's not the same terrain uh and that there's just other ways i'd that I'll just have more fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just gonna have more fun doing other things. Like, uh, they're doing the virtual 12 hour race this weekend. Right. Right. And I think that's, that's rad. Uh, but it's just like some of the rules make it difficult for me to really see how I can have fun. Uh, like you have to, rather than keep your watch on and just keep going and you have to, every time you hit five miles, you have to stop your watch, load that segment, send in proof, get confirmation that the proof was given And then you can go back out. So I'm like, that sounds like a 10-minute pit time to me. And like I – Yeah, yeah. Because
0: you have multiple watches? I mean if
1: I would drop on one watch watch and then then start it again, and that makes sense because they want to count how many five-mile segments people are doing so they can keep the leaderboard updated. So that totally makes sense. But it it just kind of sucks because I – like the five-mile loops that I was scoping online that I wanted to do – they're all like in no service areas. Like the mm. phone service around is shitty. So I wouldn't be able to upload. I wouldn't be able to actually interact with anybody and I don't want to run on the road. I don't really want to run just like flat. So, mm. uh, I think it's, I think it's pretty rad, but I'm probably just not going to do it. Cause I'm just like, I'm not going to have as much fun as I could.
0: Totally. And that's the real reason why you would do something like this. Like I'm not really going to win anything. Yeah. I want to like- have fun. Yeah, it's the same with that 4 by 4 challenge that, that that was put out there too that we were talking about. Um I have logistical problems with that. They're like, yeah, it has to be on a track and you have to and it has to be recorded via phone. It's like if someone's going to cheat, like let them cheat. Who cares? Like I wouldn't be able to put my phone on a track like left alone like in the city oh, <laughs> and, run, and even be gone for 55 to 59 seconds, and that shit would probably be gone. So uh that that was something that might have been fun would you think would you think you could have run a four end we were talking about dude
1: i honestly my pr in the 400 is uh i did 58 seconds years ago and i've never tried to run a 400 for speed since then so yeah. uh, i did do a speed workout at the track the other day just uh just to do some well i'm just doing like speed work right now before i uh, go back into long easy stuff but i was running uh, i ran 227 nice so, I'm like, all right, I could probably at least go. If I just did 59, honestly, on a 400, I'd be plenty happy. Really. I was never a fast person. Yeah, 50. A, if you're that under 60, stuff. I
0: think like that would be a hard effort. And there you're not no one's gonna dip that much lower. Dude, it's than death. that. Dude, like the last the last hundred meters is
1: so is so difficult. I I remember vividly when I cross the line at the end of that 400 years, years ago, I just, I collapsed as if I had just done brand Like it was equivalent. Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. I remember, I remember specifically the first time I ever did one. I was 14 or 15, like freshman in high school. And like, I was wobbly trying to, it's something I've never felt before. Like I I almost passed out. It was like the first ever race I ever did on a track was a four by four. Like we were killing some team and I was, I didn't do an event that day. So they're like, does anyone want to do a four by four? And I was just there. I was like, I'll do it. And then I remember feeling like everything was frozen. I could barely move my arms. I could barely move my legs, like wobbling to the finish line. And yeah, I was like, 59 seconds or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that would be fun to do. And I think I'm with you, man. If I run 56, I would be like pumped. That'd Um, go. yeah, I think, I think I'd be, I'd be really happy with that because I mean, they're so like, you have to train really hard and really specific for that. And what's a bummer, you probably do get an awesome amount of adaptation from that, but going on an all out 400, you're wiped. Like you can't do anything after that. You know, totally. totally. Like that's, that yeah. would be the session. Um, yeah. that's the that same thing like
1: was really great though, because I was like looking at my cadence afterwards, and it was my cadence was like two ten to two twenty. Wow. I, I was thinking, man. I mean, I already, I already do sprints for overspeed training, but it was just cool to see what it fell into naturally. Just trying to run that distance for that time instead of running down, you know, a five percent grade. Just thinking, yeah. turn your legs over, turn your legs over. So it was a it was real world organic, you know, uh, result. 27s rolling too. Mm, mm, thank you. Yeah. Thank you very
0: much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I think it was so the four by four challenge. And like I hate to be this guy on this because it's it is there is no real reason to not do the challenges and there's so many and like they're fun and it's a reason to it's like a carrot that's dangled out there. But like you're still not really training. If you're just doing challenges all the time, you're doing a virtual race every weekend and you're doing a challenge during the week, that's not really training. It is just so random and it doesn't relate or link to anything else yeah so i was kind of a baby about even getting in those burpees i was like when am i gonna do these burpees i have all this other stuff i need to do <laughs> you know i did the push-ups like before dinner i was like oh shit i gotta i gotta put those in i was like let me let me do these push-ups real quick um shit, dude i
1: did them after dinner after i had like literally a pound and a half of steak and garlic in
0: my belly that's what fuels it man <laughs> that's, that's the secret My breath was great yeah so like i i I hate to be that like stick in the mud about it, but if you're just doing challenges, like like that's cool, that's fun, but like you got at, at some point, yeah, you you just have to stop doing them. <laughs> and like it's this,
1: stuff- they were kind of like a baseline
0: thing. That's the way I was mm-hmm. again I'm like, oh, you know what? I hadn't uh, done this
1: particular baseline. Like, uh, how fast can I do 30 burpees? So I was like, all right, there's there's a baseline. Sweet, totally something to compare to. So yeah, if you keep working at it, then you have something to compare it to.
0: Right, and I like I like that test too. It's like more of like an athleticism test. It's like let's see how like with running this much, how well these burpees go, or how I feel doing them. Um, So I, I like that, and it was just like a minute. And then you could take that and put it into your training down the road to see where it ends up. But I mean, if you're just doing it for the sake of this challenge and never visit again, like is it that helpful? I don't know. And now there's just so many that I don't even see them. I don't even think about them anymore. Like I used to like to think about these challenges that would come up. Be like, okay, cool. Maybe I can make that happen. Like even before, that's all we had. But now I'm just like, I'll just, I'll do this later if I want. Like these aren't really that interesting to me anymore. To be a complete stick in the mud. I hear you. I I will say one challenge that I did want to do is I wanted to do
1: uh, Atkins had like a 10k doing 10 pull ups every kilometer.
0: That was sick. That's when I could really get behind.
1: I wanted to wanted to do it, but I was thinking like, okay, go to the track. I have to bring a pull up bar. To set up a pull-up bar at the track. I could do it here, but then I have to like run from the driveway up the stairs, go inside. I'm like, that's gonna take time. And I
0: just it was funny. Well, I could I totally
1: could have done it for myself, but like I'm a competitive person and I'm like I was saying, I would love to have like the same setup as someone else. So I have that direct comparison. I don't know, that's just like the way I operate.
0: That could be a cool ben- benchmark, like a straight up OCR benchmark, like doing 10 by thousand with 10 pull-ups, I think it was in between, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be a cool benchmark to, to lay out. you like, okay, let's see how the grip endurance and how I'm, I'm going and moving into something grip-intensive under fatigue, and let's see how hard you can push that each time. Um, but yeah, logistically, it's hard. Like, I think they were on treadmills, and they probably had a pull bar next to them. Like, yeah, I would do the same thing. I'd have to, like, run four miles to the closest place that I think I could get onto like monkey bars, which I could use as a pull-up bar and run like a 500 out, 500 back. Dude, um,
1: all the monkey bars around here
0: have caution tape around them.
1: Every playground
0: around here, damn. every park, everything shut down.
1: They're like, we don't want kids playing on it. Cause then like your kids are going to come and touch it. And then the kids are going to bring it to your house and
0: the buyer's going to be everywhere.
1: It's like, oh man, all playgrounds yeah. shut down they, down. they haven't shut down the
0: parks here yet. They should. People are, are outside a little bit uh, too much and not, and not having too much regard for it um so i think i'm feeling like it's coming but who the heck knows Who the Bro, heck knows? i got
1: a i got an extra apartment down here i mean it's just honestly it's a slab of concrete with a bed in it but i got all the acreage man in the world you just come we won't talk we'll stay away from each other cool. this is this is a good place to get away
0: we'll still do, we'll still do the podcast in different rooms
1: We'll talk, we can talk through the, through the floor. There's no insulation.
0: <laughs> and I think we'd have to. I'm actually not sure how to do this if we were in the same place. I'd be like, I do need to set up this computer somewhere else. Um, <laughs> we'll figure it out. The habits. Well, sweet, man. So let's dive into the listener question of the week. We're going to talk about some hill training. And then we're going to talk about some strength training. Um, but the listener question, it was came through on your Instagram. It's from Lauren Longfield. It's at Lauren Ashley with two E's, two Y's. And what is your favorite workout slash exercise that has helped you with climbing the most, like mountain climbing with your legs? And first, um, Lauren is a complete badass. Like I've, I follow oh. her on IG and she does work. <laughs> like her workouts, like this might be an exaggeration, but it's like today, twenty easy 20 miles, like at 3% incline, then with a, uh, a ruck for, for five miles and then five more miles at 20% incline. And then I did 100 and I did like, 500 wall balls
1: she's no yeah. joke you No, know, she we uh she got in on the elevation challenge that uh me and some other guys did and uh i think she got uh, i didn't look at it but she did something like 70 thousand maybe a little more feet again uh in the month of march and i think a lot of it was outdoors because a lot of stuff got shut down but bef- and like before that i i posted that i did uh max max gain or like max distance on a treadmill in an hour at fifteen percent incline. And I did like five something miles and then she posted something saying, uh, Saw Josh redo this. I thought I'd do it. And she did like four and a half miles after she did like twenty something miles. Like oh, I did yeah. a twenty mile and I thought, oh I'll just hop on the treadmill and bust this out. So yeah,
0: yeah, she's uh she's clearly pretty beastly. But she's no, she's no joke. Yeah, and she won the ultra that I did in in Carolina. She won the, the the women's race outright, so she's she's really really strong uh, competitor. Um. So, Josh, yeah, what do you think? Uh, this was fun for me to kind of look back at and, and figure out what some of my favorite, uh, like, mountain training, um, is over the years and kind of what I prescribe for the athletes that I coach that who are who are getting ready. I don't necessarily have a favorite workout or, or movement. Um, so I'm going to kind of go through the process of it, but what kind of came in, came to mind when you think about what's like your favorite thing to do when hitting the mountains to help your climbing? You know, there's, there's
1: like my favorite. And then there's also what I just noticed hands down, like showed results. And I was thinking about this during my, my run yesterday and I was doing it on my run yesterday and I was just out on an easy run, like super aerobic. Uh, and what I find myself doing that really helped me once I started doing it was I would, I would climb hills, but I would do it at a pace that was almost slower than hiking, but I would do it in running form. So here I am with high turnover, very small steps focusing on keeping my heels elevated and trying to keep my kind of like my calf, my ankle locked in a position. So it was almost a, I mean, it was, That'll be strength, endurance, right? Focusing on keeping on keeping those heels elevated, and trying to minimize like vertical oscillation. So, so with those small steps, like instead of going up and coming back down, it's like, okay, my body goes up and then I catch it where it is. So I'm I just focused on minimizing kind of like lost energy. So. Yeah, to to just like simplify that, just really slow running uphill. Like I could definitely hike faster than I was running, but the purpose was to work on running mechanics.
0: Hmm. Interesting. And was that at a really steep grade? Like what kind of grade would you say you're working on when you're doing something like that? Uh, I would do it on pretty much every
1: grade, but what I focused or like looked for when I was actually doing that kind of muscular endurance workout is uh, there was one hill that I would go to that was uh, 1,000 feet of gain at about 15% conveniently. It would add wow. between like 12 and 17, but yeah, kind of average right around 15.
0: That's a hill. That's, that's, that's a, that's a good, good climb right there. And w- when you're talking about like, you could hike faster. Is that like 17 minutes a mile, 18 minutes a mile? Like, what is that? Uh, look like? Any idea? Or are you just kind of going? I effort? could,
1: I could for sure, like for, for that hill, for the, for the length of it, for like a, for a 20, 30 minute climb. Yeah. It's definitely no problem hitting, uh, going more than uh, four miles per hour, but I would go three miles per hour and run. So again, it wasn't I wasn't the point of it wasn't to get up the hill as fast as possible. It was just to really spend time getting used to the feeling of running. And so even though I was going slower, what it, it actually helped me out a lot psychologically. I thought, I'm running. I'm running up a hill. Mm-hmm. Cause I I can power hike. It's just totally different musculature.
0: Totally. And I, I that's funny because the workout I used that I found the most improvement in, it was probably like two or three years ago coming in through my base period. I'd do something that was almost exactly the same. Like I'd go really slow at 15, per, 15 to 20% incline on a treadmill and would just spend time there. So I would started really easy where I was doing five minutes at just flat, normal pace. And then I would do five minutes slow and uphill and then i would gradually build it to 10 minutes uphill and and then 15 and and five minutes on flats and build up and i think the longest i ended up getting was about 100 minutes on something like that um uh, and like maybe 60 minutes total of just going up and and that was definitely the most progress i made in climbing in one season but yeah i think i could chalk that up to kind of newbie gains like i've I've always been a runner but never really a mountain Mm -hmm. a mountain runner Mm -hmm. so it could have been just Really easy adaptation. I found my heart rate adjusted pretty quick to that training. Like at first, my heart rate was jacked up, going even going slow, going up that. But eventually, that all kind of caught up. Um, so that was definitely something that was th- that I found was really helpful. Um, so you said that was what you thought was the most effective, or what you liked doing the best. So that
1: that one was actually both, and that what I did not enjoy doing a whole lot, but it definitely did uh, benefit was uh, uh doing long hill sprints, but really focused. So or I guess long for a sprint or I could just say uh, a shorter interval. Uh, and I was a big fan of doing like 60 seconds, mm-hmm. pretty much max effort and mm-hmm. focusing on really long strides. So you could almost look at it as a long bound. So really focusing on that turnover, but taking the largest strides up this mountain that I could.
0: And that's essentially for... Like muscle activation on something like that, right? Like Maximal sure extension through the leg. Getting as much power output as you possibly can going up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. Yeah. And, and like you could actually just do bounds. Like I've seen those prescribed before, literally just kind of like big power uh, skips, essentially, for for going up if, if it's not if you're not trying to do something that is race specific, if you are trying to do something with the intent of maximal power output, like that would kind of fit that bill. Have you ever done anything like that? Just straight up bounding? Or is that kind of what you're talking about?
1: Yeah, I, I haven't really done bounds, uh, like for a a workout per se, but I'll do like before I do sprints on a track, I'll definitely do like high knees, butt kicks, skips, and then if I'm going to do uh, an uphill workout or go for speed, I'll do bounds. I'll get onto like a slight grade, nothing too steep, so I don't super fatigue myself, but yeah, I'll literally just do 10 to 15. Well, that's kind of an odd number, right? 16 would get both legs evenly, but yeah, I would just do about 10 or so bounds on a slight incline just to really get that feeling of, uh, of extension and like covering lots of ground. Because it's a plyometric, mm. it's plyometric, but it's, it's also plyometric. it's almost a bit of a stretch. Like the fact that you're o- like overextending, not overextending, but like really emphasizing the extension to the back leg, lifting the front knee up at the same time.
0: Yeah. And that's, uh, another one that I did that I kind of would say was, is my favorite way of working on this is doing something like six to 10 at one minute at like sub 5k effort. So like you said, like when you're going that fast up on incline, that feels almost all out like a sub 5k effort. Like it's really hard to hit something like that. Um, and then I would do, do those and then take some recovery, maybe three, maybe two, to three minutes, and then just do like a marathon, the half marathon tempo run for like 20 to 30 minutes. And that re- I really like that because after working at a really hard pace, it makes that more sustainable pace feel just easier. And it makes mm-hmm. you feel like you can really kind of roll through that even though it is um, really taxing. And there's some thought as if you're able to activate um, that much muscle through doing something like a hard hill sprint or hard hill bounds, then you'll be able to then train it for endurance after you're you've completed it so doing something that is more endurance specific after you've had those muscles activated it's going to allow the, everything to kind of um, be primed and ready for endurance training um so that's something that i really i really like to do as well and how often are you doing this this type of stuff
1: uh, i almost do that more on on easy runs uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As far as focus goes, I should say. So when I go out on an easy run, where I'm trying to keep my heart rate uh, like under 150, I'll go as slow as I need to to be able to, but still run everything. So again, like I could, I could power hike faster, but I already know I'm a good power hiker. I'm just trying to get the like uh, get my calves more involved uh, and just kind of stay within this this tight kind of like explosive little little step. Because the thing is, when you think of like like jump rope, uh, you're kind of your ankle and your calf are almost locked in a sense, right? It's a plyometric and you're just kind of rebounding and springing. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring that to the hill. So I'm not letting my, my, uh, heel drop. I'm focusing energy on, on performing this certain mechanic. Whereas if I was looking to do a hard run and just get up the hill as fast as possible, I'm simply focusing on moving up the hill as fast as possible rather than using surplus energy to maintain a specific form that I think I should be holding. So I'm pretty much just trying to turn myself into a robot during my easy runs, like (laughs) mechanically speaking, you know?
0: And in competition, where do you feel like you had found improvement? Where do you feel like you would struggle the most when it comes to climbing? You know know what I mean?
1: Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like in the, in the 10% grade area, Mm. uh so i still i still definitely need to work on that because the mechanics that i'm kind of talking about where you're, you're you could be hiking but you're deciding to kind of do this this choppy little uh, run up that definitely works better on steeper stuff like, that's like uh, 20
0: plus right
1: yeah like a perfect example is go back and watch like i don't know if it was utah or big bear but uh but like johnny Little lima running up the hill like it's super steep they're going back and forth between hiking and running they're ultimately going like the same speed because he mm-hmm. he's that good of a runner that he's able to run up the hill pretty much at the same speed as hiking they're just kind of changing up the musculature that they're using a little bit uh, for a little bit of reprieve but for me it's definitely like 10 percent grade and it's just it's so apparent everywhere like every race i've been in uh, i'll see some of the better guys just be able to kind of open up if that makes sense on that on that particular terrain so mm-hmm. i'm a strong power hiker when it comes to power hiking i, I can hike is as, as strong as anybody really which is why i love like super steep hills because it mm-hmm. improves my chances but i mean that 10 percent grade it's it's runnable so that's where i'm trying to uh to work on the most and ultimately it's just doing like hard like tempo workouts on that on that grade, which is why I love the treadmills because I could just hold it there. It's like up. Oh, I know it's ten percent, so I'll I would literally do like seven to twelve percent inclines and just kind of go up, go down, go up, go down, go back and forth between them. And that built up a lot of confidence. I was doing that before uh, high rocks, even though it was flat. But we all know that running inclines does translate to flat.
0: Definitely translates. Yeah, that's funny, man. Like because we are opposites that we have the opposite skill set when it comes to climbing as well. Like I'm definitely better on that. Twelve to fifteen range, where it is somewhat runnable. Um, where I get smashed was the first time that this was clear to me was at Big Bear when we were doing thirty and forties, and it, my legs were just absolutely trashed after one climb. It's like you know, thousand fifteen hundred foot climb, and then I was just smoked, and it was just so steep that I just didn't have that in me. I just didn't. I just didn't have any way to really practice that i guess or maybe i just hadn't put put in the time to to work work that in are you
1: a hands-on-thighs power hiker
0: or are you just like straight legs um i think it changes (laughs) i think it i think it changes i think i will go hand on thighs i don't find it comfortable though I, I like it. I like it better. Without. You don't like to touch your thighs mid race. I just don't quite, quite get it. I was like doing, it, I was like, am I just doing this because is there any, mecha- is there any mechanisms behind putting your legs, your hands on your legs? Or is it just what everyone kind
1: of does? Okay. So I, I love putting my hands on my thighs. One, cause I have sexy thighs and two, because I have like bigger arms and I can use my triceps, right? To kind of assist with the push. So I get to utilize these arms to help push down and get these triceps involved. I'll do races where my triceps are as as tired as my legs because I was powerlifting so hard. Uh, I've been training without my arms just to not have to rely on that, right? But yeah, I've been working on that. And also I find that when I put my hands on my thighs, it kind of helps to... I don't know. I don't know if I would say it broadened my collarbone, but it kind of alleviates some pressure in my upper body, and I feel like it allows me to breathe a little bit easier. So that's I almost found find power hiking in some regards to be a, a recovery, or at least an opportunity to get some less labored breathing in.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I don't even think I thought about it as being an active position with your hands on your thighs. I mean, I, th- I saw everybody was doing it, but I never had put thought behind the actually pushing down with your arms will help you move forward. And it makes sense that it does kind of open things back up. Like if you're actively pushing your shoulders back and, and down, like you're going to open that um, chest up a little bit more and, and have easier access to your diaphragm. Um, that is really interesting. Have you done like uh any like test where you do like a segment without arms and then with arms or is it just kind of how you're feeling in that moment you
1: know what that's actually that'd be a good idea i have not done like a time trial
0: doing that i have not done like a a side-to-side comparison yeah i just go by feel
1: it it just feels it just feels
0: better and sometimes that's and sometimes that's enough right like if you feel like it's working then it's working um but it would be interesting to see like i'll have to i'll have to try that as well but like yeah i said when it's I've, i don't really have place to practice anything like that where i wouldn't just run mm-hmm. um but maybe i should and so yeah that's another part that i also like to do you kind of mentioned those longer tempo runs and that's something like when i'm in like pre-competition phases is is what i'll do is where i'll I'll kind of essentially do threshold work on a hill um and treadmill is the way to go 12 to 15 percent typically and just being you know five to 20 minute at max at, at an effort that i could probably hold for about an hour and those suck really bad those suck really bad and but they're super helpful like to really get that running up like that's that's probably your best bet on something like you said that if you're going to get runnable terrain which is like a mixture of stuff that we'll get here um but there's only a couple courses that i think like palmerton you probably aren't running all the way up i mean maybe dude i look forward for redemption of palmerton i tell you i told you how i got smoked at the split yeah
1: one year man yeah yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it though hopefully they still do the uh, the double sandbag
0: because I've only nah, seen that they, did done. A, they, they didn't even do it last year the double sandbag what? no <sighs> yeah it, single's enough listen single life. is enough of <laughs> mm-hmm. that of that monster do you do any specific so like this question when it comes to you know the best ways to get better at running up a, up a mountain up a hill is by running up a hill, and that's kind of the answers that we were giving. You know, just kind of same way. It's like, what's the best way to get better at running? It's like, okay, well, like run, but it's not always that easy. And a lot of times, um, for me in particular, I can use myself as, as an example of this. And I think Lauren's kind of in the same boat, where she's not in a mountain all the time. Um, so I know she does a lot of treadmill work. Um, like I would do a lot of treadmill work. You said you would do some, and like the the biggest hill I have um, is like a hundred foot hill. So if I'm gonna get elevation, I'll just go up and down a bunch of times. But if you wanted to replicate that, if you wanted to replicate the 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 feeling that you would get or try to get the, the muscle adaptation without a, a hill, like through some sort of exercise or training, like what would you do? I am glad you brought that back around because I have
1: ADD and I just like float off to the next subject. Uh, I got you, bro. Yeah, dog. So <laughs> the, the two other things that have been, I think have been really impactful and it's you know, it's, it's hard to say what the best thing is. It's just that these are the things that I honed in on and they happen to have a good effect. Uh, are there other things that could have had a better effect? I'm sure of it. But these are the things that worked really well for me and that was uh, uh, box step-ups mm-hmm. because with a box step-up, you can really, not to say you can't do this in the mountain, it's just in the mountain, uh, I think that, it's a little more likely that we're just focusing on like taking more steps and getting up the mountain, and the terrain's kind of changing. Different, and mm-hmm. yeah, and and that's fantastic, right? Changing terrain—that's that's super great uh, to have unpredictability. Uh, Your body adapts to that. But the awesome thing about a box step is you can really focus on form. That's the cool thing about the gym is you can really focus on kind of like those robotic mechanics and kind of working through, uh, yeah, an ideal motion. So with a box step up. You can kind of lean to that front foot and focus on using just that front leg. Don't bounce off of the back leg, mm-hmm. and you can notice things that are happening, like what's happening with the knee, if it's tracking in or out, if the arch is collapsing, and you can make you can recognize these things. Try to be aware of them and recognize these things, and and work through and work through them. And uh, and a couple things you get to do there. So one is obviously focus on. Utilizing certain muscles. Like as you go into the step up, you can think, okay, I gotta squeeze my glute. You can move through it slowly. And then at the top of the box, you're not putting your other foot down. You just stand up nice and tall for a second, kind of feel the extension through the leg, kind of feel the hip coming a little bit through, feel that glute, squeeze, and then you can lower yourself super slowly and kind of reverse the process, which you're not doing on a mountain. And that uh that eccentric phase right there, you can go through it really slowly, you can uh resist yourself falling back to the ground. And you can get a lot of work done stress wise uh, by doing that. And so, box zap ups, those are fantastic. And the other thing that is less, uh, I'm gonna say less stressful, and it'll make you feel, it can make you feel less sore. It's just like a really safe route to go. And I've always been really big about this is biking. So, when you're cycling, I mean, you can kind of change your positioning on the bike. But regardless, you're kind of just in that power hiking position. Your legs, for the most part, are tracking straight forward. It's like you're on a, like an old-school train, you know, and it has that side rod that, can, that rolls around the wheels. And you, that's, that's how you're moving. The pedals are keeping your feet straight. You, again, you can notice your knees tracking, and you just get into this kind of robotic form where the feet are cycling over and you can get into a high cadence low cadence there's a lot of really awesome adjustments you could do on the bike but you can really grind out focusing again this is what i had to do uh was i could really focus on using my glutes and you could bring your quads out that way uh too so you get awesome leg workout you could spend a lot of time there because it's low impact because if you climb up a mountain unless you have a helicopter or someone if they're waiting with a bike you gotta run down it and that's going to cause damage so biking is a sweet way to like get a night out on the town, you know, go check out, uh, go check out some back roads and, uh, do it in a low stress manner with a lot of benefits. Killian Journey did that. Uh, used to do uh power intervals on his bike where he would, uh, like do super slow cadence and just really grind out each pedal. Just crank
0: it up as high as possible. Yeah. Crank, uh, resistance about- or the I'm gear
1: yeah i forget what the terminology is high gear low gear but anyway super high resistance the hardest gear yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gear. And just pushing as hard as he could and he did that for a long time uh I, from what i read he doesn't do that anymore so much because i think
0: that was when he was like a kid like that was just something he used to do just like to simulate i don't think it's part of his training but it does it does help as far as it makes sense like making it hard activating as much muscle low impact so you can keep that thing grinding i'm glad you brought up biking because that's something that i do kind of forget and it's a really good place for people who um because i feel like there's a lot of damage that can you can inflict on yourself on a mountain or trying to get more elevation so i think biking is a great way to simulate that but you kind of have to detach yourself from those like vanity metrics of elevation gain which i think people have a tough time with so i would definitely put in time on that bike that's a really good one and i just want to reiterate like the Oh yeah go what's on. That? You first. Um thank you. The uh the, the the way that you described doing a box step up and really the the connection that you make between your mind and your muscle is huge and that being able to activate things in your glutes while you're biking and thinking about what you're actually doing and what's actually firing does help it fire. Does help you activate th- those muscles and I was actually just talking to one uh, gentleman I I coach online more for specific uh, fitness and we we're doing some squat challenges and he just mentioned that as being the biggest, like he just gained 30 pounds on his back squat. And he said the reason was because he had dialed in his mind muscle connection and really thought about how to engage everything and really how to drive through that squat. That's exactly what we're talking about with that box step up, like take, making sure you're hitting every single point. And having it with purpose, instead of just like lollygagging w- gagging it up with uh, with like you can get real loose on box step up. Like you said, you can use momentum just for the sake of getting it done, but that's not quality. And if you're really going to try to get better at running on the mountains, you're going to need to use all of that muscle and and be and be really dialed in with that connection. So again, both of these things will take a bit more of mindful practice, but that's really what it's going to take. Like just doing a thousand step ups probably wouldn't be as beneficial as doing 500 solid quality step-ups i agree yeah and i I still
1: experimented uh, with that from time to time i'll do a workout like a low risk workout where i will just let my focus drift away from like okay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna uh depress my scapula on this overhead press i'm not gonna engage my lat i'm not gonna Mm -hmm. yeah i'm not gonna focus on engaging my glutes and it's so easy for like okay Glutes aren't fired, quads are taking over. Quads are burning out quick. Oh, Okay, my scapula uh, and my uh, lat aren't like depressed and active on this overhead press. I can feel my shoulder just doesn't feel quite as secure. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, you know I wonder, I, w- I wonder if over time it you don't even have to really think about it. A lot of times, I mean, it's so natural for me. It's kind of this, this unconscious thing where I just engage those things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like it might be easy to just like not. So I guess it just starts with being aware, like whether that's through YouTube videos or like a coach or a trainer or something, like learning how to engage certain things and then just being really mindful about it. And next thing you know, it's like you're performing super uh, high quality movements with like a lot of uh, like joint integrity.
0: And the thing about this that I always think about when it comes to muscle engagement is like bodybuilders and that that's essentially their sport is engaging different muscle groups and muscle areas that most of us can't really have access to. Like if you try to flex the middle of your back, you know, like,
1: dude, uh, I took that so for granted when I started like fitness training, Uh, you know, I would try to tell somebody to, uh, to engage their lat. They're like, what? How do you do that?
0: No, 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 (laughs) no. The lat is for sure. Like, that's something that even for me in the past like five years, I've just kind of learned how to really engage and flex my lat, and I can feel it like down near my waist and all the way up and through. And a lot of times you can see when people do are doing pull-ups, it ends up being very, very trap-dominant or bicep-dominant mm-hmm. because they're not lowering and depressing things down to really engage in those lats. And that's like the biggest muscle you got, you know, it's and people huge. aren't able to grab it. And same with your glutes. Like a lot of times with doing like – my biggest like eye roll is whenever anyone has any type of injury ever. Anyone, anybody who would tell them a bit, well, you've got weak glutes. Like that just ends up being the prescription no matter what. And they might, they might, but they also might not know how to activate and really connect with them. So then they get all these exercises that are like clamshells or banded sidesteps or donkey kicks. And then they're just going through the motions and using like their hip flexors still or their their quads still to kind of move things through. And they still don't have that connection to their buns. So that's another huge one. And that's where these step ups will really come through and biking. You can feel, you can squeeze it down. So I would recommend people like really practicing, just like literally squeezing their butt. Like if they stand up and they're sitting for a while, just squeeze as tight as possible just to get that engagement, just to think about what it feels like. Yeah. Biking is super awesome, man. And also let's just note that,
1: uh, Lindsay Webster maintained like a lot of her fitness for, for a couple months, just riding her bike.
0: Yeah, but her fitness is just like
1: ridiculous. I, 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 I
0: <laughs> <put them> <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, in in college, when my teammates we'd, we'd get hurt all the time, and you could tell the ones who went in and put work on and like the recumbent bike or something, when they came back and they were ready to to run again, like the people who put in the work, um, in the in the on the bike or doing whatever cross training. They, they bounce back much faster. So you can definitely maintain fitness while doing th- those type of workouts for sure. Um, anything else you want to add about the uh, climbing on mountains? Go do it because mountains are awesome. Yeah, go do it. Awesome. And step-ups yeah. I like. And also I wanted to <laughs> add uh, lunges. Sim- similar and Anything that's like single leg really in that type of motion. Like And lunges you can do while you're out on a run. That's something that I'll prescribe mm-hmm. a lot or I'll do on my own is if you're just out every mile doing... 30 lunges or something like that. And I have a, uh, I think that's another good way just to get a little bit of something in. Um, no, I totally agreements. agree. I
1: totally agree. And actually, we're about to segue into uh, into strength. I was going to talk about some uh, some exercises, yeah, specifically for climbing.
0: Perfect. So that's basically to do. If you can, if you got mountains to run on, run on them. If not, step ups and, and biking is a great way to go. So yeah, we wanted to touch, a, touch on, some strength training methods for the ocr athlete and you know this is a big broad topic we'll touch on it a bunch but we want to just kind of lay down the framework of what we had in mind and some of the, the general principles that we put in place for our, our own training and also for the athletes that we coach so this is a big part of of, of training obviously because it's part of the sport and, it, and there needs to be specific strength and specific strength endurance so josh where do you start when it comes to like strength training for an ocr athlete
1: you know, it's uh, like you said, There's it's it's pretty broad and there's a lot of different ways to attack it. There's a lot of different things to hit. But when it comes to the, uh, the starting ground, starting things right off, the, the things that everybody should be doing, the things that I make sure everyone's doing right off the bat are your basic calisthenics, something that's available to you, things that you're going to – because in OCR, yes, you're lifting things up, but you're also crawling and you're carrying your own body weight. So uh, I think that if you were to only do one thing on top of running, it's pull-ups. Mm. yeah so do having a push having a pull having some sort of lift and then propelling yourself you know <laughs> horizontally uh and a little bit laterally you're gonna have pretty much all your bases covered generally speaking
0: yes and this is a great because that is something that is going to be very specific to the sport and, and the, the calisthenic aspect and that's basically just using your body weight at, to the, So, the general calisthenics would be you know push-ups p- planches um Ooh, poles. Uh-huh. If, if you got, the you do crazy. those?
1: Planche, uh, I was able to do a planche last year. I got hyped up on calisthenics. I was listening to that like super gangster rap in the gym, doing my calisthenics. And yeah, I was able to do like a handstand down to a planche for like three seconds.
0: Mm, right. Cause yeah, you do have, you have handstands as well. And that's another good example of, of the proprioception needed to control your own body and, and have the strength and mobility to, to hold certain positions. So pull-ups for sure um, is going to be your biggest one to have that pull. What kind of things would you do for, to help somebody get better at like a crawl or something like that?
1: So definitely uh, I'm, I'm really big on, on core exercises. Like the first time you had me on here, I was talking about like the, the importance of core. It attaches, you know, your upper appendages to the lower appendages. It stabilizes the hips. Uh, so for, for something like uh, crawling, Having a strong core obviously is going to help you uh, more. But specifically, as far as movements to do that you can apply is, uh, I think push-ups are absolutely fantastic. And there's variations of push-ups, but to keep it simple, uh, you can do maybe uh, t- you know 10 push-ups if that's just about your max. And then on that last push-up, hold yourself with straight arms and just hang out there in a plank position and just focus on keeping your. Uh, I like to think of having my belly button kind of pulled up towards the spine, pulled up towards the ceiling, because it's mm-hmm. very common to let our lower back just dip down and. You don't want that to happen. You you need to look at exercising in the gym or in your home as an opportunity to 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 operate with perfect mechanics. Because it's those habits that you build that when you go out in the real world and you're operating organically and kind of unconsciously, that those are going to end up shining. So, doing uh, push ups, doing pull ups with a strong hollow hold, meaning that. Your, your your spine is neutral, your core is tight, your pelvis is in a kind of a, a neutral and strong position. In other words, it's not tilted forward. It's not dropping. Your butt isn't sticking out. You don't have that lower back arch. Okay? You kind of have that front of the pelvis pulled up a little bit mm-hmm. uh, and kind of your belly button's pulled in a little bit. So doing that during uh, pull-ups is really important. Strict pull-ups. I think uh, everyone should be doing strict pull-ups before you try to do some crazy kipping nonsense. Uh, although those, those are fun and all, but definitely down the road. It's for sport. It's for, it's for sport. sport, dude. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and ups. Uh, like I said, doing a few reps or just hanging out with straight arms and maintaining a strong plank position and hang out there and breathe. Cause uh, another thing that's really awesome about operating in a non competitive environment is you're not getting chased by an animal. You can think about, think about things. One of those things would be breathing. Focusing on breathing during the movements. Focusing on breathing when you're not moving. So whether you're running or you're holding a push up or you're doing your pull ups getting a breathing rhythm and really trying to breathe efficiently, breathe down into your your diaphragm and that's where also like having a strong core is going to help you to do that without compromising this is my opinion without like breathe deeply into the diaphragm without compromising your like uh your your pelvic position or uh putting yourself at risk for like a hernia or something during a more advanced lift
0: and i I want to just touch on on the pelvic position really fast because that's really the foundation of most strength movements and when you do have that broken pelvic tilt where the front of your pelvis is tipped forward and you kind of have your butt sticking out and you can kind of feel that pressure in your lower back um that is going to be compromising for a lot of lifts and a lot of exercises. So, Josh, when you mentioned the hollow hole. That's really tucking like thinking about tucking your tailbone underneath your like if you had a tail, literally tucking your hips so that Good your tail was underneath it. your leg, underneath your legs. And that's a position that you should have in most of your lifts and if you do that in a plank or in a push-up it will make things exponentially harder if you do it for pull-ups it makes it way harder than getting very strict you're getting you tucked underneath and it's as strict as possible so that when you lift through your lats and and arms that your lower body almost doesn't move
1: dude that's so cool yeah if you have a nice hollow hold in the pull-up it's almost impossible to not engage your lats fully
0: that's a great point. And as we talked about, Evan, engaging, if you're there, you're like, "Uh, I'm not really sure. I can't really move. Then it has to be a huge pull to activate all the way through your back and lats. So really focusing on that, that tilting position. So if you're not quite sure what that means, I would just Google something like pelvic tilt and then work on those positions and literally thinking about like leaning up against, you're putting your back up against the wall, tilting your pelvis forward and tilting it the other direction. Because if you're new to strength training, chances are you don't practice that uh, locked-in pelvic tilt position, which is going to be really the foundation for most of these these movements. And same thing with the breathing. Like, if you are in that position, you can practice that as well. And then if you lay specifically, if you lay directly on your back on the floor, feet flat on the ground, um, knees bent, and you tilt your pelvis that, that way and engage, and then think about breathing um, taking deep breath into your diaphragm, and as you breathe out, think about pressing your lower back into the floor as you breathe out, and then you'll feel that entire core section kind of light up, trying to get that lower back on the ground. So that's another way to really engage in that breathing, which is a good practice to have as like a warm up or just as a way to kind of brace and engage everything as as you keep going. Um, nice. Yes. So where were we? I just started talking.
1: Uh, so we were just uh, going over like some of the fundamentals. Where would we start? For someone mm. to build strength and uh, pull-ups, absolute definite and trying to be able to pull off a hollow hold, whether you're in a pull-up or a push-up or a plank. So pull, you could actually do pull.
0: hollow holds on the ground as well. That's another position that I will, I'll do on my own and I prescribe on, quite a on bit your back. Like you just kind of said on your back, you feet about six inches off the ground, shoulders six inches off the ground and make sure that lower back is pressed into the ground. If you're, if you're just hanging out there with your feet and shoulders up, but your back is your lower back, it can fit like, your hand of there mm-hmm. you're not you're not in that hollow position so if you press that lower back down to the ground just kind of hang there and you can able actually do hollow rocks where you're rocking back and forth dude that's super hard yeah what's that that's super, a mm. super hard but so in that case if your back starts coming up pull your knee into your chest um just to make sure you're, you're rocking back and forth so um hollow hollow positions hollow holds hollow hold everything push-ups <laughs> pull-ups dead hangs make Absolutely. sure you're hollow Absolutely. Mm. make sure you're hollow <laughs> stay hollow that's easy um so how much so when we get these kind of fundamentals in, everyone's going to be different right every but like they're and there's going to be different places for people based on their training age based on their goals based on their, their strengths and weaknesses of what people are actually going to need to do um so in terms of like frequency like how often are you lifting or are you having the athletes that you coach hit that strength training
1: uh, in one way, shape, or form every day or at least six days a week. Hmm. So the reason for that is I I believe that there are days where a volume of hard work is important, and good, if, uh, if you can handle it. But more important for, I believe, everybody is doing a little bit every single day. Uh, yeah. They call it, you know, you've probably heard it called grease in the groove. You've had people on here uh, use that term. Uh, there's uh, a lot of famous people that have found a lot of success in that and use that terminology. But I I follow suit with that. In the simplest form, calisthenics, every single day, using them to break up your day is probably the easiest way to incorporate it. And it's going to give a, not just like performance benefits, but just general health benefits because it gets the blood moving. Let's, like you're telling your brain that like I like my body and I like to use it from time to time. So for people that like work uh, or have like more of a stagnant day, you'll you will probably find the most value in that compared to somebody who has like maybe a super super busy shorter work day uh, and doesn't get a chance to actually stop and do any like calisthenics and then they go do their workout afterwards. So regardless for whatever group you're a part of, you could still incorporate some of these basic movements to every single day so an example of that would be instead of doing uh uh, 300 reps of uh, various calisthenics on like monday and thursday you'll do like 50 to 100 reps either every day or every other day to start at least
0: yeah and i like the idea of of the frequency training because that is something that's actually been shown to help improve for like physique competitors and building muscle because the typical idea and like, you know, is like your bro splits, right? Like Monday's chest day. It was like chest day, back day, but it's actually been shown that you, you're that, that you can get an enhancement in building muscle with a little bit more frequency in, in your training. And this is kind of exactly what you're talking about. Um, to me, something that will pop up with that, like I like structured training. So if you're like, Oh, we'll just do it kind of throughout the day. Like to me, I would be like, well, when, <laughs> when am I supposed to do it? So are you like, something that comes to me, I would, I would, if like, oh, if you have a pull-up bar, every time you walk through the, the doorway, with the pull-up bar, do five pull-ups mm-hmm. or every time you st- stand up and get back from the bathroom, do 20 push-ups. Is that kind of what you had in mind? Or would it be like, okay, your workout starting today's workout is two by 10 pull-ups, two by 15 push-ups and that's, and, and do that four or five times a week. Well, what do you what do you really kind of like? Well, that recommend? totally depends
1: on the person. I think either is great. It totally depends on the person. So, first off, as far as as far as uh, like building muscle, the the neat thing is is that yeah, you totally can build muscle with calisthenics, but you can also build minimal muscle and get maximal strength gains for what you already have by doing calisthenics. And so, calisthenics is just a, a broad term for body weight. And so, within that, are our plyometrics, are isometrics, and for uh, to, to answer your question uh, about like how to apply it to someone. By the way, is to like I like to just do them in the morning. Start out your morning and do five rounds of five pull ups, ten push ups, twenty squats. Do that while the coffee's brewing. Mm. That's out of the way, okay. And if you want to do like another set to get the blood moving during your lunch hour that's awesome but i think the easiest thing to do is to get them out of the way in the morning you literally you can have that done inside of 10 minutes you know you choose choose your rest 30 seconds 60 seconds cuz either way even if you do 30 seconds you're still going to have about 2 minutes rest before you hit that same group again before you get back to pull ups so you're still giving ample rest to that one muscle
0: group and, and setting cool- in and to, just like making it part of a routine and just making sure that that kind of fits in with like your day-to-day
1: yeah and by doing doing like that sort of rep count now 5 10 20 that's just something that i like to do uh the, and the reason is that i can perform that many reps very explosively and i'm not even approaching fatigue mm. so i'm i'm kind of staying away from it's it's almost plyometric i do the reps very uh very quickly And I'm giving ample rest, so I'm able to uh, flush out metabolites. I have like all, pretty much all my ATP ready for the next round through, so I can perform all of these explosively. And I'm doing it in such a short amount of time that I am uh, minimizing hypertrophy, muscle growth. Because as a runner, it's all about power weight ratio. You don't want to put on a lot of muscle, per se, right? I love the quote: uh, "The lean pack or the the lean wolf leads the pack."
0: I don't think I know that one. You know what I'm talking about. That's <laughs> that one. Uh, oh, is that? That's a once a runner quote? Yeah, the lean oh, nice. wolf
1: leads the pack. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know I'm like super yoked and all, but I, I was actually bodybuilding before I uh, before I started running. So I got all this muscle and I got to deal with it. So now I just got to make it as valuable as possible.
0: And that's the, when we talk about hypertrophy training, that is the, the act of putting on muscle mass because you won't put on muscle mass just by lifting weights. And that could be a bit of a misnomer when it comes to strength training. And a lot of times people are coming from different backgrounds in OCR. So it's either a runner who might not want to get bulky, or it could be from someone like yourself, who's coming in from the strength world, which is, it seems to be a little bit more likely people coming from crossword world, coming from, you know, a bit of a gym background. Maybe they played uh, team sports or ball sports um, or extreme sports and are now kind of trying to figure out a way that they can maintain strength without getting bigger. Um, And that's what hypertrophy training is. And that's usually typically in that eight to 12 rep range of what you can handle as like a max lift in that range. So it's like moderate weight for higher reps is, is what's going to put on muscle for you. So unless you are literally coming like out of a collegiate running program or like you've never touched weights in your life and you could benefit from getting stronger for like something like a tire flip or a carry, then, pressure training really. There's not a great place for that here. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I mean, no matter who you are, if you if you have never weight lifted before, pretty much any weightlifting you're going to do, you're going to see some changes, at least in the way you look. Maybe a little more definition, a little more size in your shoulders or chest. Or yeah, something like that.
0: again, newbie gains. Newbie gains will happen for
1: totally, strength training. Totally, and it's like them. you almost you almost can't avoid putting on a little bit of muscle. I think that. Uh, through pow- power training and isometrics, that's going to be your greatest chance of recruiting lots of muscle fibers without putting on size. A great mm-hmm. example of that is look at some, some of the most successful rock climbers not boulderers because that's more of like akin to a sprint. They have kind of like a mm-hmm. sprinter body where it's very short, very intense full body efforts, uh, but longer big wall climbers. They spend an extraordinary amount of time holding themselves on the wall, which is ultimately they're in, they're holding themselves isometrically making a decision and then making a very controlled uh, static or dynamic move and then holding it again. And so there's not, a whole lot of high stir there, there is high volume uh, of work going on they're on the wall for a very long time uh, but the ultimate amount of stress per movement is I would say relatively low and there the thing is their muscles are pretty much constantly engaged but there's not a lot of muscle fibers actually sliding on each other which is where the damage comes into play and it's in that damage where there's often uh, that, that, uh, I lost for words today. It's kind uh, of like where you're going to repair. hypertrophy.
0: Yeah. like Then it's sending, that damage sends a signal for repair and that repair is what's going to help. Like in, in completely, and more like layman's terms, it's just going to send reinforcements to rebuild that area and it's going to build back stronger, you know, and, and that, that will come with, um, a bunch of different properties, but essentially that's what it is. Like once something gets damaged, it'll be be ready next time and it'll be a little bit bigger. So that's essentially the eccentric movement is what's gonna cause that, you're saying right? That is where most
1: of the damage occurs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. During the eccentric movement. So
0: So doing things like isometrics, you don't you kind of negate that. And isometrics or if you do all concentric, concentric training is a little bit harder to execute. But uh doing isometrics, like you said, like in if it is a calisthenic or doing some sort of plank situation like what do you what do you normally do for isometric training
1: the the go-to isometrics are definitely a plank a pull-up a flexed arm hang and a hollow body hold Mm. and and a push-up holding either a straight arm push-up which is can be surprisingly hard which is also getting some of the same benefits as a plank but uh but yeah also uh and also flexed arm push-ups so, cause the thing with isometrics is you're not strengthening yourself through a full range of motion. You're strengthening the position that you are, that you're holding. So hmm. the value in that is if you, I think the greatest value in that for OCR is if you have to move across a rig and carry your body weight across monkey bars or whatever, you, the, the greatest control is probably going to be from a flexed arm position i think we talked about this on the, on the last cast where when you're straight arm you have to more so swing and reach whereas if you are hanging your next hand is closer to the bar it's closer to the spot you want to grab you just have a little more body control
0: hanging hanging bent you're saying
1: hanging bent yeah your arm mm-hmm. is flexed so flexed arm hangs will give you a lot of bang for the buck as far as that actual hang strength goes without putting on lots of uh size Mm.
0: Yeah, so isometrics are it's a great route, and they're just not fun to me. They're I just think not, they not. You will be
1: super surprised if you don't do isometrics. Jesus, you will be surprised at how much they can burn after you uh, after you've been holding it long enough. Because the thing is, since you're not like p- if you do a high repetitions, and if you're doing like hypertrophy training, you'll definitely feel it's like your muscles get so engorged from like the high repetition from the b- blood pumping around in an isometric. Like you're there's no like there's a, just contraction is being held. So blood isn't really flowing as well as it should be. So mm-hmm. it's an easy way to build up metabolites and not, <laughs> and then not be able to get out of there. So you'll feel a very unique burn. Have you ever done like a Pilates class, like a reformer class
0: or like, uh, feel like I've seen should. those things.
1: I feel like I should, but before I do, I need something purple, like a, a purple headband, some, some, maybe a leopard, some
0: leopard, uh, I think you're wearing Titan a purple hat right too. now. I think the purple hat would work.
1: Nah, it needs to be a purple headband. It needs to be a purple oh. headband.
0: But there's these classes that they have, they're more like studio fitness classes. They're they use a megaformer. So it's like this big, huge machine, and basically it's all set around isometric training. And it is so hard. It is unbelievably hard. Like going and I just like Dude, hate I'm gonna
1: it. I'm gonna have to look at that a megaformer.
0: Megaformer is what it's I'm called. Sick. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like really, really freaking hard. Yeah, I I did a, I did a couple classes last year and I was like, I'm good on this um so if someone was in a pinch man like what would you say like if they had if 20 minutes to do a workout like what would you kind of direct them for strength that's a good question for
1: strength i'm going to assume that you don't have any equipment and that this is going to be applied immediately because it totally should so something that everyone can do uh right now is you can do if you haven't done any calisthenics or whatsoever or really been working out at all oh, i would just start out doing those three movements doing pull-ups push-ups and squats if you don't have the ability to do them straight up uh you can modify them by hanging like take a towel a long towel tie a knot in the end of it so it doesn't slide through the door that you're going to put it in close the door and you can lean back and grab the ends of the towel like you're hanging onto a aladdin's carpet or something and, uh, and you can do kind of a, uh, an, an Australian pull-up, kind of an inverted pull-up.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you're, so you're leaning back, you're pulling yourself up, similar to a modified push-up. Where it's, like a
0: makesh- it's like a makeshift TRX you're correct. doing with the towel? Yes.
1: Cool. Yep. And so uh, that, that's a good way to introduce yourself into that just so you can get some reps in. I think that would be a good idea to be able to do at least five, five of those, five pull-ups in that manner uh, before you try to get on the bar. Uh, ups. you can either, you know, drop the knees or you can do it on a uh, chair or a counter again, just do go through the motions, you know, do 10, 15 reps of that. If you can pull that off squats, when it comes to squats, I'm with all of these movements, there's an aspect of form that'd be really important to, uh, to, to achieve, So I do recommend looking at some videos on YouTube uh, to see what Rich and I were talking about with like that pelvic tilt. Mm -hmm. Um, Hip hinge. Correct, yeah. And when it comes to a squat, just noticing some tendencies that can occur with the ankles, with the knees, uh, they they can like to dip in. So uh, I guess a good rule of thumb for the squat is sit your hips back for a chair as if you're reaching for a chair that isn't there. And make sure your knees do not dip inside of your feet in other words when if you're standing and your feet are hip width apart as you squat down see that your knees don't go inside your feet and get close together kind of push Mm -hmm. your knees apart from each other and that can also help you engage your glutes just a little bit Mm -hmm. and uh, squat down as far as you can go without your heels lifting off the ground Let's see if you can pull that off 10 15 20 times and like i said before do that while you're brewing coffee do that in the morning whether it's two or three rounds just go through the motions, get used to it. If you are able to pull all of that off, I would say that the next thing to go to would be experiment with tempo calisthenics. Now, this is kind of this is kind of a mesh between isometrics and and just uh, standard kind of calisthenics, your traditional push up, pull up, squat, and that would be very slow uh, eccentric phase, very so slow concentric phase, and what that'll look like is for a push up. Take start out, lower yourself over the course of 10 seconds, all the way down, and then take 10 seconds to push yourself up. Mm. Do that same sort of thing with the pull-ups. Try to lift yourself over the course of 10 seconds. Lower yourself over the course of 10 seconds. Same thing with the squat. And then if that's a piece of cake, you can kick it up to 20 seconds. Kick it up to 30 seconds. You'll probably shake, and that's totally normal. But but the cool thing about that is. Some of the things that we touched on before is there's not a lot of uh, blood flowing through the area. That kind of adds, uh, it, it's almost I wouldn't say it's like blood restriction training, but, uh, but but there's a little bit of a benefit there as far as like built up metabolizing your muscles having to like work through that particular strain. And then there's uh, there's an increase in tendon strength. Pretty much everything you do is going to improve. Tendon strength, but this is a safer, low-impact way to to do so because you're loading it. So the muscle isn't really stretching, so the tendon is spending more time under like a consistent pressure instead of getting like yanked on and let go and yanked on and let go, as it would be with uh, like a, a power move or a plyometric. But still, everything's everything is good for the the tendons for the most part if you're eating a healthy diet, and getting good sleep, but. Uh, try those tempo things out, man. They're they're rough. Have you ever done those?
0: Yeah, tempo is a great thing to do right now. You know, with even if you're used to lifting weight, like like we talked about before, I ha- only have a uh, 53 pound kettlebell, right? So well, the way I can make things harder is by doing tempo, doing like split squats with four or five seconds down, four or five seconds up. Um, tempo is really really important again to be controlled in all the positions like Mm. like you had mentioned so you're not skipping something and you're you're able to 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 be strong everywhere you need to be so that in a race where like it's not going to be controlled it's not you're not going to be able to set your feet you're not going to be able to be proper position so you want to make sure that you're you're adaptable and you are strong in many positions not just in like the Lowering and and rising of some specific lift, and that's how that will really pertain and really translate well to the course, is making you strong in all those positions. And dude, if you want to get sore doing tempo eccentric pull ups, and if you want your lats to get lit, that I is do. how to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is how to do it. I found again with the lats thing, bent arm hangs really can get those lats fired firing up. Too. Yeah, especially that wide grip. Yeah, doing wide grip on those bent arm hangs, man, that will that will really light it up. And yeah, so really just don't overcomplicate things when it comes to what to do. Um, because there's so many variations that you could use with just the fundamentals. Basically, all we've talked about is new push ups, pull ups, and squats.
1: You know, and you know, man, it's like there's there's a lot of sexy moves that you can do out there. And uh I don't I don't blame people. Like you want exercise to be exciting, you want to be hyped up about it, like it feels good throwing weights around, and that shit is awesome, but Don't
0: skip these fundamentals. And if you do it with the expectation that you're doing it for fun, cool. Then that's cool. And if you want it to be for variety, great. But if you want it to be for specific uh, adaptation and for development and strength, you probably don't need to do that wacky shit. And you probably don't need to do things that you you see like specific like kettlebell flows or whatever on, on Instagram. Like if you just do a kettlebell swing properly and hard, you're going to be good if you're just doing push-ups like okay if they're easy put a sandbag on your back if you're doing pull-ups like wait it a little bit if you can get there there's there's infinite ways to progress and regress all of the, these movements that we're talking about so if you need to have a good grasp on what to do and you feel like oh these are too easy i need something extra like you don't <laughs> you just need to to work a different variation of it dude
1: yeah bingo and i mean there, gosh, there's such a spectrum of things that that range from uh like the most practical and the most effective to like effective, but really just fun. And There's a lot mm. of stuff in between there. And like, yo, I'm totally guilty, man. Like, I love, I love flowing around with, uh, you know, a dumbbell or a kettlebell, but I'll, tr- I'll keep it to moves. It's flowy and it's fun until it's not when it's really hard to do are using heavy ass weight. But ultimately, the, I'll try to do moves that I could, I see myself doing out like in the real world. Mm. I think that that's really important.
0: Yeah. And there's like an intuitive measure to that too. Like if you are, find yourself like doing stagger, like if you can do like staggered grip pushups or something, it's like, okay, that makes sense because in the race, the practical application of like a crawl, your hands are going to be not aligned. So like, yeah, just making different variations like that, that whatever, like OCR training is relatively intuitive. If you just like think about what you're actually doing out there and just taking what you have within your practice and just and applying it. So figuring out like what you said, like what is going to be real world, uh, what, what kind of, how this is going to apply to your race, like taking these foundations and taking these couple movements, you can do that. You can make it work for what you, what you're, for what you're, what you're trying to accomplish out on that course. Um, cool. What else, anything else you want to add to the strength training at this point? Cause I mean, there's a lot, Dude, there's a ton there's, of ways we could go. There's
1: a lot. I actually, I got a lot of stuff written down, but I realized like what time we're at right now. Um, I think that the most important thing that people take away from this is to not skip the fundamentals and to just get on a sub stack. Cause you can get it done. Like you can get done some, uh, a few rounds of calisthenics in, uh, 20 minutes. Uh, if you really want to go ham 30 and you can sprinkle them throughout the day. But, uh, but get them in because you're going to see if you haven't been doing them already, you're going to get, you're going to have super noticeable gains like right off the bat. Uh, and if you have been doing them already, you can add the variations of like the tempo or uh, like isometric holds to, uh, to practically failure. You know, how long can you hold a plank? How long can you uh, hold that push up? How long can you do a flexed arm hang? Yo, you're going to, you're going to feel that and you're going to get gains from that.
0: 100%. Yeah. And, and from here, you know, we could take it and we could talk about, periodization and progression and you know high intensity versus you know, power and, and all these things but really i think what what you need to keep in mind is keeping the frequency up because like if you're in any specific even if you were in a race like your frequency of running like you wouldn't just stop running it's like the same thing you must continually continuously add the strength training to this and just work on the fundamentals and that's a great place for you to start and then we'll dive back into some more topics and be a little bit and get a little bit more specific as to some of these other things because there's so many ways to go. But don't just don't overcomplicate it. Just get that get it in frequently and make sure you're doing the the stuff that will translate to the more advanced stuff down the road so so that you're ready. Um well cool man, so what what's been going on this week? What you been working on? Bro, other than studying, because uh, I'm I'm still working on that uh,
1: uh, on an endurance uh, certification. Add yeah. to the repertoire, learn my thing. You know, because I got I got the the some strength knowledge and health knowledge, but I am still a relatively uh, new runner. So, although I have all my experience, I gotta learn the science behind it. Got to learn mm-hmm. the science. Got to get oh, a new level. Why it's working? Yeah, yeah, dog. Other than that, considering going carnivore again for just like a little while because i just got wind that spartan is pushing more of their races off so i was looking forward to big bear on may 16th so that's yeah that's probably not gonna happen so gonna uh, finish up this uh this hard effort block going into this weekend and uh just gonna go back into a a lot of more like low level volume building and carnivore diet is just treating me super well. One, because like the Lyme disease, but two, like those endurance gains and I'm already fat adapted. So I'm not going to, it's not going to like disrupt my training. Like it would someone else who's never eaten like low carb and they just want to like dive into carnivore. Those people need to take more time or else it's going to like disrupt their season, but it's going to have an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. If you're not, if you're not ready to go low carb and you just dive into it, like it's, gonna suck for like two weeks yeah, <laughs> and like uh, your training is gonna suck it, probably for longer
1: uh, yeah longer than that man like from what i from uh from anecdotes and like other athletes that i've read about that have gone uh like like olympians who have been who their coaches say okay like olympics are four four years out you're literally going to sacrifice the quality of your training for adaptations for the next two years mm. it's like <laughs> it's, a, it's a long game yeah man the, i mean the endurance game is a long game
0: you know It is. Yeah. And to get to peak performance, you know, like that's a sacrifice that they're willing to make. That's cool. I've, I can't think like, and if I was to do something like that, it would be in this time too. Like if I was just coming after after a race season and building into, uh, into just some easy mileage. So it sounds like a good time to try it out
1: yeah, it's super convenient because i live I live on a farm and like right, it's all farm uh, land around here and there's a farm down the road that they're uh, got a bunch of cattle that like i I go past them I see where they grow up and how they're taken care of. so no antibiotics any and of like, that I'm gonna eat that I'm gonna eat that dude like, I'm that fatty acids mm.
0: <laughs> yeah um, get the hand pick it get to pick them yeah.
1: up. so them what do you over. got going on, dude? are you building yourself another or uh, like an upgraded hazmat suit so you can go run out on the sidewalks?
0: Yeah, man. I've been wearing that, wearing my mask, been out doing it. I've been less stressed about it. I had a conversation with a friend who's like, because you go out and like when you see people who aren't doing like something that you're doing, you like get annoyed. You're like, oh, that person is just being a, a jerk about it. But like, they're not. Everyone's like, do, everyone does is doing different things. No one's trying to get anybody else sick. People are just, you know, taking it in different ways and just trying to you know, do the best they can. So I've been keeping that in mind. I've also been doing some different running routes where I'm not seeing as many people. Um, but yeah, I'm winding down. I'm cutting my doubles this week. I've been doubling for the past since like January. Um, what two day? days a week. Run? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. shit. So I'm cutting that out just to reduce my volume a bit this week. And, um, I think I'm going to test a five k Saturday, Ooh. uh, a road five K depending on uh, Saturday, or Sunday, depending on how I'm feeling. I'm getting, I ordered a new pair of shoes and I'm excited oh, about that. They got uh, telling. dude. Have you seen their Skechers? Have you oh, seen Skechers running shoes? I
1: do. They've been up in the game. I have. I have. I was looking at them, and they weighed like I don't know, three and a half or four ounces. They had a they're pair so come out.
0: light. Well, they were and trying to
1: contend with like the the Hoka uh, Carbon X. I think mm-hmm. kind of looks like that.
0: That's the one I'm getting. It's like the nice. Speed Elite. I think yeah. it's called. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it's there's... St- Unbelievably, like the shoes I wear now are like seven ounces and like a four percent drop. They're they're not a, they're not the Carbon X. They're the Hoka Tracers, and it's just like a standard EVA um, with no no plate or anything like that. This one does have a plate, and I guess they're the foam that Skechers is using is you know, one of those energy return foams, which I've never run in either. Every company kind of has one. That's essentially what the Nike um, Next Percent Four Percent whatever Vapor Fly that mm-hmm. has like that the best foam and they just stack it really high. But I like a four. I like a four per uh, millimeter drop or lower. So I'm going with this because Skechers they have a four percent drop and they have energy return foam. Um, and not many companies are offering that. Hoka is another one. They have that carbon X, but I just, I just didn't like the way it looked, and I'm just gonna go with the Skechers, man. I'm in, and Dude. if they go well, I'm gonna get a pair of Shape Ups, and that's gonna be dope too. And I'm, I'm gonna be so toned. Do you remember the pair? Do you remember those things, the Shape Ups? No. <laughs> Oh no? wait a second! Wait, wait wait wait! From Skechers, from Skechers, the bottoms like a rocker. Yeah, Dude, that is a hilarious shoe. And they're like, "Oh yeah, this will make you more fit and toned." And like, <laughs> it won't. How many it didn't did it fuck up? Oh yeah, yeah. I think they got sued for that. I think like they're that was not a good move. Mm. So now, and Skechers, they look so stupid. Just like general, like Skechers, they are just like, you know, grandparent shoes you know and like but they have like this, like sick running shoes apparently they get great reviews people really like them so i'm like
1: dude i'm so glad ultra running memes has come back because like you got you got like the thick boys and then you just said uh like sketches of the old people want like the new balance those are the those are the dad boys oh yeah yeah my dad wears those oh new yeah balance for life totally like you know those those like white
0: white chunky ones kind of yep.
1: looking ones but
0: oh yeah oh yeah did you see those hoka shoes that that um Oh, my God. I forget what they're called. But the ones with the ridiculous heel on the back of them. Oh, yeah.
1: The downhill shoe, in quotations.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very interesting. It's absurd looking. Strangely I did some looking into that. Yeah. Because I did some looking into that, too. And I was like, oh, well, if if these are like the vapor flies for mountain running, like, I'm in. But apparently they're just for, like, people who are literally going to be out for, like, 24 hours. They're just a ridiculous... Like long distance shoe, like if you're edged out, just going slow, huh? Going slow. Going slow.
1: That's weird. I've never. I mean, I'm sure it's still light. Like you probably wouldn't even really feel that much on the heel lift unless you were like going through mud or or water. Like, a, but. Yeah, that's, that's strange, man. I mean, you know, I love running downhill. So if they say, like, I'm going to run downhill faster, that's cool and all. But, like, I don't know. That thing just looks weird. I don't know if I believe it.
0: It says not good with muds and it's not good in water. But it said, like, yeah, going down is cool. And it's good for, like, yeah, it's just going to really be – take that shock out. So. Shit. Shoes. Shoes. Yeah, so I'm expecting some shoes. I'm excited about that. And besides that, like, just – same old man, just getting through, just trying to see what this five k situation is going to be like. Yeah, and then and the two weeks after that, I'm, I'm just going to keep the volume down, and then I'm going to take some time off. And it's going to be sweet. Hang out with Carl. Go for easy me, walk with Carl. Me and Carl. Yeah, Carl is tough to walk because he's such he's so little that he everything like stops him and scares him. So <laughs> I end up picking him up a lot. Come on, dude. And he's just shaking when you pick him up. It's like yeah, I mean? he's doing better. He's he's getting tougher. <laughs> it's he's a just, tough he's world out the baby, there, man. He's a baby he's puppy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, cool, man. This was great. Uh, catch me at on uh, Instagram, reinforce underscore running underscore rich. Joshua, where, where can we find you at?
1: Find me at Joshua Reed, ja jo, underscore schwa underscore
0: read. And oh, thank man. you for everybody who uh, submitted questions. we got a couple of them, so we're definitely going to address them as we move on. But this is HHMC signing off. Thanks, everyone.